to the suspicious. I'm Lindsay Wilkins and it's time to howl at the moon and go fight crime because it's a double feature of 1989's Turner and Hooch and 1993's Full Eclipse. And with me to help to help me get dewormed before we start pissing on criminals um, it's the amazing host of uh, VHS. It's Dirk Marshall. Hey, how's it going? It's really good. Thank you for having me back. No, glad to have you back, especially when you suggested um, this uh, double or this kind of thing in movies. And I was like, what is Full Eclipse? Oh, I, Turner and Hooch, <laughs> I know. And it's kind of a bit appearing um, more ways than one. Like, well, just how I think of it, um, as we'll get into. But no, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, the, well, the, I had so much fun the first time that you had me on. But the the thing that I pitched for that one, they were more similar films. And in the spirit of Schluck and I, I wanted to like throw a couple ideas at you that were more along the lines of what other guests were doing and what you were setting out to do. So different films, but with some similar threads. Yes. And kind of what I love about um, this double is that Fuller Clubs feels like the ultimate video store um, double, yes. which you grew up in famously. Yeah. Um, I was just sort of watching it going, what, what is this madness? And Turner and Hooch for me as a kid was actually a big, um, video rental. I rented that thing once a week for a period of time. And, um, there's a nostalgia written all over this movie, um, which, uh, might be a saving grace, might not be. We'll see how it goes. Um, but before we get into this double, um, how's VHUS going? Oh, it's going really well. We're uh, midway through the season. Uh, you you were on recently, actually, this yes. week's episode. <laughs> we discussed Read You Like a Book. We um, did. Something. It's really that, something. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is the best way to describe Read You Like a Book is something. Um, it, there's a lot of things going on in that movie. So please check out that episode because it was yeah. so much fun to record. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, it's so funny how these things work because it's, when you listen to a podcast, it's like you're really listening to the people talk in real time, even though sometimes things are recorded so far in advance, you know? So it's like, I, I, it was a weird moment for me to realize like, oh, this was this week's episode, like just days ago, <laughs> it came out here in the States and, you know, and then here we are recording this now. Ex yeah, yes, exactly. It's really funny how the sort of the podcasting world works, because sometimes I know I do bank episodes um, occasionally when I get too excited and then just <laughs> podcast like crazy and then I'm exhausted and then I'm like, well, I've got six episodes I can put out. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, but then you get these kind of weird ties, like, yeah, literally that show's just dropped, but when this show drops, it might be a few weeks away. So, but 
yeah, when you're listening to a podcast, it does feel like you're talking. Uh, you're listening to people talk in real time. So there's a yeah. weird disconnect with um with with uh podcasting, which is why I kind of love it. It's kind of this conversation set in stone or almost. I don't know. I think things stay on the internet longer than they probably should. It's um, true. Yeah, and it's why I want to wish your listeners Merry Christmas and also Happy Halloween. <laughs> And happy birthday, depending on when you're listening. Exactly. Or happy Arbor Day or happy Valentine's Day, depending on when you're listening to this. Or Australian Father's Day, as you just told me about. Yes, I just wish Dirk a happy Australian Father's Day. Um, Because, yeah, it's Father's Day over here right now. So it's, um, I guess, we've we've dated and non-dated this episode all at once, which I love. (laughs) Perfect. Um, and with that, we might as well get into this brilliantly bonkers double. Um, it's kind of the Kitty Matinee and Midnight Movie uh, double, which is absolutely perfect, as well as Dogs Fighting Crime. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Dirk, if we were going to be sitting down for Turner and Hooch, um, yes. what would be the first trailer that you would show show for this um, Disney classic? Because it is, now has a Disney Plus show, I just only just found out. It certainly does. <laughs> um I tried to watch that and it, you know, it's not my cup of tea. So that's, yes, that's we'll fine. See, we'll say that about that. It's just not, it's not uh, my thing. Yeah. We'll <laughs> also find out if this is my cup of tea because I, <laughs> I saw Turner and Hooch in the theater oh, uh, when wow. I was a kid. Uh, yeah. I was very excited and this is my first rewatch. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and like I said, in the first time visiting, I really like to imagine that it's, you know, we're in the theater, we're sitting down. How do you want to set the tone for mm. this evening with these two films? Um, and so what I chose is is the length of a trailer, but it itself is not really a trailer. So in the early sound era of film, there was a series of short films that were shot using all dogs as the cast. Uh, it was produced between 29 and 31. They were professionally trained canines and they were the stars of the all barky Dogville comedies from Metro Goldwyn Mayer. They produced nine shorts. They're parodies of Hollywood hits. Mm. And the films were all shot silently and then dubbed dubbed over with human speech. <laughs> so what you'll see if you, you go to YouTube is where you're going to find this. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, black and white. It's the Hot Dog Dogville shorts. There's a clip from 1930, I believe, featuring dancing dogs in clothes in a ballroom. There's a cigarette dog lady. Um, <laughs> there's voices happening, which is amazing. Um, and there's so many dancing dogs. I don't know how they did this in 1930. What an amazing job that would be. Um, but I think it's just the perfect thing to set the tone for how utterly bonkers this evening is going to be. Uh, yeah, that is perfect, because I did get to watch a little bit of this. Um, and you're right, there are voices happening. Um, it feels like you're watching an Italian giallo where they did not care who they were getting into. It's like bobs all over the place. Um, yes. From uh, House by the Cemetery. Um, it is just, I can't imagine how you wrangled that many dogs into one place to get them all to dance. It's and got, they're not barking at each other. It's no, weird. No, it's weird. It's either really well put together or these dogs were, 
actually, you don't want to think about how dogs were treated on set in 1930. In 1930? Um, <laughs> no, um, we don't. We no, don't. We, no, we don't. We just put that aside. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of a but it, you're right. It's a magical thing because this um, evening of watching these two movies together, especially how you may feel about each one, and I fully aware that Turner and Hooch only survives for me purely on nostalgia because of that movie. Um, but no, this is the perfect thing to introduce people to go. This is what you're going to be in for. <laughs> yeah, we might end with people as dogs, but we're going to start with dogs as people. Exactly, and it's perfect. <laughs> it is such a good thing to show. It's 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 complete madness. Um, my first trailer. I'm going not dog yet. Um, but oh. it it is another movie that. Well, we're going for another Tom Hanks uh, VHS special from my from my childhood. Um, but of course, that was Dragnet from uh, 1987. Oh. Uh, just the facts, ma'am. Dragnet. The story you are about to see this summer is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. For instance, Dan Aykroyd. Ma'am. Is Sergeant Joe Friday. Tom Hanks is Detective Pep Strebeck. I'm your new partner. And there's a dress code for detectives and robbery homicide. Section 3-605.10.20.22.24.70.80. My name's Friday. Take a lot of kidding about that? Almost never. You know the kinds of things that can fall into an industrial sausage press? Not excluding rodent hairs, bug excrement. I hate you, Streebeck. I don't know why Turner and Hooch and Dragnet were my choices for eight-year-old, nine-year-old Lindsay, um, yeah. but they were. Um, I think Dragnet maybe holds up a little bit better than um, Turner and Hooch, but yeah, I just really liked buddy comedies with Tom Hanks. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, that was a certain period of the 80s for sure, especially for Touchstone Pictures. Oh, yes. Uh, but, I mean, Dragnet had the Dragnet rap. I mean, yeah. that music video alone is amazing. Read them the right. Read them the right. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your right. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got to call them. I, as a child, memorized all of it. And we even <laughs> shot a music video in my garage where I played the punk rock guy who <laughs> talks about how I like to dance in my goat skin pants around the ancient ruin. That, that was my part, so. <laughs> yeah. That is maybe the most you thing I've ever heard, and I love it. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you're right. It has the um, Dragnet rap. It has kind of, it is such a 1987 movie that um, I think you could possibly um get um so yeah that is going to be my first trailer dirk what Love would it. you what is your second trailer for Turner okay. and hooch so my second trailer at this point people are like what could possibly be next and so i want to go with a boy and his dog from 1975. a boy and his dog a film that has become a cult legend. Right now I'm hungry and I want to get laid. That's what you always say. You go find a chick and I'll hustle us up some food. I can't do good work when I'm hungry. You ain't pulling that crap on me again. And you can shove that part about how you lost the ability to hunt for food when you learned how to talk. No food, no females. After World War IV, your dog will tell you what to do. How to laugh, how to love, how and who to kill. I'm so jealous I did not pick this one. <laughs> yeah, this trailer begins hilariously. 
Um, you know, just let's go from dancing dogs to a nuclear explosion and a dog who talks, but only through his mind. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, it is. I saw this movie a couple of years ago uh, at a all night uh, when we used to have all night movie marathons in Melbourne. Um, and I think I, I was already kind of falling asleep. Um, I just seen it after The Visitor, which I think kind of warped my brain to the point where I couldn't comprehend wow. anything. Yeah. Um, so then next was Arm Boy and His Dog. And I just remember waking up at certain points and going, what? What is it? Is that a point? What, what am I watching? And then <laughs> there's a dog with, you know, mind melding with a boy, with a young, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Um, Don Johnson. Don Johnson, yeah. A really baby young Don Johnson. Such and, a baby. Oh, such a baby. And just going, what? is happening i don't understand right now um but it is a great trailer and actually a really great movie um i do love this movie a lot and i'm a little jealous i did not think of this one first well what did you pick oh my second trailer um i'm going for a classic actually <laughs> um no i'm going for scooby-doo monsters unleashed 2004. <laughs> the world is under attack monsters are taking over and now there's only one thing to do <laughs> Well, that was my outfit, I swear. Mystery Inc. is back. Let's do it again. Unfortunately, <laughs> so is every monster they've ever faced. Black Knight goes! <laughs> we have to save Shaggy and Scooby. As usual. In the embarrassing debacle, Mystery Inc. fell far as two of the gang's key members, Shaggy Rogers and Scooby-Doo, tarnished the reputation of the once great gang. This is the most our faultiest screw-up ever, Scoob. There's got to be some way that we can prove that we actually belong in the gang. This movie, I actually really like this movie a lot. I think it's really goofy and fun and mm. silly and there's a giant CGI dog going, ruh, ruh. Um, I don't know. I grew up as a Scooby-Doo kid. Um, I love, yeah, and I actually really think this catches the spirit of the silliness and the, yeah, these guys might be running around in a mystery van with lots of drugs kind of vibe to it without yes. ever saying that there is lots of drugs involved. I don't know. There's a disco scene with monsters. There's monsters just hanging out. It's it's just a good time. I agree. It's totally fun. My daughter, who's seven, she likes spooky stuff. So it was inevitable that Scooby-Doo was going to enter our house. And she watched all of it. So it means I watched all of it. And I had such a great time. She really loves it. But I will say a warning to any new parents. If you're going to show your kids Scooby-Doo, they're going to pick up on something that you might not have thought of and that is my daughter at five was would see like a mascot and think oh that's a giant squirrel you know that's not a person in a suit but due to how every episode of scooby-doo ends at five all the magic was gone and she would see the giant <laughs> squirrel man and she'd be like that's a guy in a suit and so my wife and i panicked and we got her to disneyland as fast as possible so she could still have <laughs> some kind of magical experience before just being this old jaded six-year-old who's like it's all fake there's no magic it's just a guy in a suit just a guy in a suit um but yes i i, I think that's an excellent pick and a wonderful tonally a wonderful shift from dragnet and into turner and hooch oh even uh boy and his dog it's just like i think it's showing all the shades of what this movie uh, of uh, Turner and Hooch is kind of going <laughs> on because this is a movie that wants to have things in it but will never explain actually what's happening because it doesn't yeah. want to say certain things about certain things. Um, it's pure touchstone, I guess, in that way. Um, but no, I love Scooby-Doo and I get you're right with the whole, um, well, you know it's a guy in a suit, so I can right. see looking at her going, 
oh no, she must feel some magic before she's... <laughs> yeah, we really did. We really did. We realized exactly where she got it from. Yeah. And, you know, we were like roller skating. And one time she, there was a guy that was a squirrel. That's why I picked that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and she was roller skating and holding this mascot's hand. And she looked at me and she was like, daddy, he's real. And I was just like, oh, what a beautiful moment. Cut to one month later, we go to the same roller rink and she peeks in his eye. She's like, pick me up. And then she looks in his eye and just goes, that's a guy in a suit. And I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, be careful parents, be careful. That's what I'm saying. Yes, basically the photo, nice photo of Santa will just have her, the child pulling the beard going, suit. Um yep. yes. <laughs> yeah, Easter bunny, suit, like it's all just. It's all, all the magic's gone. It's all an illusion, which it is, but yeah, hold on to the magic while you can. Yeah, at least for a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. So the curtains are going to finally draw apart completely. The lights are going down as we're in a theater. And the opening credits for Turner and Hooch. Roger Spottiswood from 1989. He finally had the perfect relationship. So you'll be staying another night. Oh, yes, of course! When something big happened to change it. Something called Hooch. Wait a while! No! You don't know much about dogs, do you? This is not my dog. Now he's being swept off his feet and dragged all over town. What are you doing to this dog? I'll just take him for a walk. All in the name of love. This dog loves you, boy. Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Hanks as a man who'll beg. Don't eat the car! Don't the car! Who'll bargain. You're not touching the water, the orange juice, crab, what am I supposed to do? Make you a margarita? Who'll pay any price. 97.51? What? Is that, is that pesos? This is for a dog. He'll take care of your house. You're lucky to have him. Now, for young Dirk, sitting in the theater for the first time back in 1989, actually yeah. watching this, um, I'm guessing you have a very different reaction to what you did now. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. And I think the weird thing about it is my memory of this is completely persuaded by the poster image. You see Tom Hanks, you see the dog. And in my brain for 30 some odd years or whatever, it's been, oh, that comedy with Tom Hanks and a dog. And uh, for me, this isn't a funny movie. <laughs> this is this is pretty dark. It's a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's and it's PG, but it's 80s PG, which we have to just all deal with the fact that that was a different time. Um, and I like that time. I yes. would much rather my daughter watch 80s PG and be like, there's people killing old men and, and Tom Hanks has to raise their dog than the stuff that she watches now that's like Y7, which is all just consuming like, like, oh, is Chad going to go out with Becky? I think Becky likes Chad. And I'm like, no, like this isn't find yourself worth in yourself and also go help that old man who's been murdered and raise his dog. Like, that's Ex what I'm saying. Exactly. Um, it is. It is definitely 80s PG. And this is a movie that really wants to get into the economics of drug dealing, which yes. it never actually says, but this is what essentially it is about. Um, and I kind of love that. It's not just a straight, oh, we're, we're selling drugs. It's this kind of launder situation that um, I never mm -hmm. really clicked. I never clicked to as a kid because I was just like, it's Tom Hanks and a dog. Um, right. And it's awesome. Um, I love Hooch, um, which is probably where most of my nostalgia comes from. I'm not a big dog movie person but for some reason right. this is the movie that clicked for me as a kid um and i'll be honest uh i saw this at a weird point because i'm i'm not a dog person mm. even I, I 
So, so I'm at a loss there. And then we have a neighbor who got a dog recently and it, this dog hates that we exist and we share a fence. Anytime I go outside, it barks at me. It's very loud and it growls and, uh, they're lovely neighbors, but this dog and I, you know, so then I watched this movie with this dog who's pretty aggressive and, and loud for most of it. And I was like, man, this is not a movie for me right now. So I'm just putting that out there to the audience. Um, there, is, there may be some baggage coming from from me into this conversation. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit of uh, neighbor dog trauma going on. Yes, yeah, a little bit. I'm trying to get past it. I'm trying to be, you know. But this this dog was very funny to me as a kid, and as an adult, I just think he's gross. <laughs> he, I love the fact that they just let him drool everywhere. I don't know if they added drool to make him so drool more, gross. but he's a drooly dog, and. Um, yeah, I think what this movie captures really well is when you adopt a a new pet, not a puppy, but an actual living yes. adult um, animal, which we've I've done a couple of times in my in my life, gotten an That's older great. golden animal. Rescues, right? Rescues, yeah. yeah. And it's got that kind of thing when you've got this fully formed personality in your house, and um, they are a fully formed personality. And mm. like I'm like the worst. I don't I don't have a dog at the moment, but I would love one, and it would be sleeping on the bed. This hooch would be spoiled uh, to no end. Mm-hmm. Much to my partner's discredit, be like, no, he's sleeping down here on his mat. He'd be fine. And as soon as he's like, no, he's not here. I'm like, come on the bed, come on. Uh-huh. Um, I'm that kind of. Uh, I, I spoil them deeply. Um, like my cat is thoroughly spoiled. Which now I think they should be right. Yes, um, which is now on a track where certain habits now need to be changed. Now he's older, and it's just like, oh no, I may have made some indulgences. Um, It's yeah. So I think it captures that perfectly. Like you're going to keep them outside, but the dog barks because right dogs are social creatures, and I think it sort of captures that kind of mania of I have this creature in my house. He has a full personality. I don't know how to deal with him because I need to treat him like a dog. But at the same time, he's in your house and he's here and you kind of get to know the personality over than the creature that you think it is. I think it does capture that really, really well, mainly yeah. because most of this movies are hooch montages. Like you're just hanging around with the dog for a lot of this movie um, yeah. rather than getting into the buddy cop movie of it all. Yeah, which as a kid, I was like, that's the kid energy. I yeah. mean, I think, I think what Roger did with this, because you know henry winkler was originally the director of this he was yes and then like 12 days into it he left because he said he got along better with hooch than turner so (laughs) ouch for tom hanks but um i think the the henry winkler film would have been funnier and when i think when they brought roger in you know he's coming from shoot to kill Mm -hmm. and that's i love that movie so much Mm -hmm. but it works as an r-rated buddy cop movie whereas this is a pg dog cop buddy movie and so it's tonally it's it's a lot darker and stranger and as an adult watching the destruction i was just like i mean i'm a dad now i have a house that my child destroys much in the same manner i guess <laughs> with a slightly less drool yes um, you hope and, slightly uh, less drool. And, yeah so it's a little less i just i don't know that the, i i just kind of was watching going ah oh, this is this poor man 
not that he was likable, really. I think that this is one of Tom Hanks's more or less likable films. I wasn't as charmed, I mean. I don't know. It was a weird watch for me. It is, because it's kind of weird that, you know, Henry Winkler didn't get on with Tom Cruise, who are both considered the Mr. Nice Hanks. guys of Hollywood. Hanks, sorry. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> That's um, a different movie entirely. That's a very different movie. Um, it's... It kind of weird that the two Mr. Nice Guys, Hanks and Winkler, yeah. um, didn't get along on set. Um, if that's the rumors that you believe or whatever's going on in that thing, because they are notoriously um, over-the-top nice um, the, what their persona is. So, But, yeah. yeah, you're right. Hanks is not likable. He is this arrogant, yeah. um, overly OCD, controlling, um, kind of a stalker in this movie um, yeah. with Mia Winningham. Um, and... It's kind of, he needed a hooch in his life to kind of disrupt everything, but at the same time, you're more rooting for the dog than you are for Hanks at any point in this movie. You just want yes. Hanks to be nice to him. It's just like, can you yeah. just, please or be anybody. nice. Or be nice, yeah. Yeah, you want him to be nice you to know. someone. And yeah, and you want to be especially nice to the dog because the dog has gone through a lot. <laughs> yes. And something I really love to think about when watching a movie like this is like, when you read about the casting and they're like, originally it was offered to Dudley Moore. And mm. so then I love to think in my head while I'm watching it, what is that movie like? Like what Dudley Moore? I mean, he probably would have been drunk in it. I'm guessing it would have been a movie likely. about a drunk, drunk cop with a dog. I don't know. We'd like that. Uh, but he what turned was... it down. Yeah. And then Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Jack Nicholson were all in consideration. But I think Tom Hanks wins it because if we look at his track record with Touchstone, there was starting with Splash, which was like one of their first films and carrying mm. on through. It's like he had, I mean, Tom Hanks was Touchstone. <laughs> it was like, okay, it, just give it to Tom. I mean, yeah, they were really kind of just looking at, okay, who's got a big persona? Who's funny? Because um, yeah. Jack could be funny in the 80s as well as absolutely insane. I mean, that movie would have just been, well, might have been Wolf actually, but um it's just kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, they're just sort of looking for that. Okay, who's got that funny, bubbly energy that we, we can use? And, but Tom Hanks is touchstone. Um, and he is, it's kind of, you forget his career before he won his Oscars. Yeah. Um, you forget that he was the shouting man who was in a lot of touchstone comedies who played um, the goof, essentially. Um, I mean, I do like shouty Hanks. I, I enjoy it when... You know, um, I hear him shout, and even apparently uh, Turner and Hooch was used as testing for Toy Story yeah. to convince yeah. him to do it. And it's yep. him shouting a lot. So he was like, oh, okay, I can see how this is going to work. But now because he's Tom Hanks' father, dad, Hollywood's dad, and he's in the series, he wins Oscars, he's in Sully, he's yeah. Forrest Gump, he's um, Captain Phillips, he's all these kind of other things that aren't, he's kind of left the 80s behind. But when you watch the 80s, you realize, oh, no, Tom Hanks had a very specific 80s persona yeah. and the way he would act, and it was expected of him. And, um, yeah, it's it's big. It's it's this. It's Dragnet. It's um, Splash. Splash. It's all those movies. Dragnet, and, yeah, yeah it's, it's such a different persona back in the Bachelor day. Party. Yeah, Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party, yeah. It's mm -hmm. such a different persona than what he used to do. Then all of a sudden in the 90s, he broke out with friggin' Philadelphia, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, he's he's – He's a different Hanks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a that's a great point. And I was trying to decide when I was watching this, I was like, did I really like old Tom Hanks? And yeah, I loved the show Bosom Buddies. I think I really did like him. But now that I'm 
maybe it's because I'm older. I'm not sure. Also, a lot of the stuff I get passionate about, like you'll see all these movies behind me, not a lot of them are mainstream successes. And so I was like, maybe this is just that, you know? Like the other day I was on YouTube and there was a Hoobastank music video, a band that I've never heard the music of, and it had 792 views. So I clicked on it. No, 792 million, sorry. Uh, and so I clicked on it and I've never heard this song before. And so I was like, well, there's just, different stuff for different people. So maybe Turner Hooch wasn't for me, but I can appreciate it. No, I think that's a really sort of good point because you do have such an eclectic taste and your type of movie is definitely going to be the second half of this double more than ever Turner and Hooch is. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, this is probably more what I imagined you watching in the video store more than Turner and Hooch when you're a kid anyway. But with Turin Hooch, it is just a touchstone movie. Um, yes. I don't think it was a massive hit when it came out. I think Tom Hanks has always said if Hooch lived, um, which I, that the movie would have been uh, more successful. I think he's right to that point because I think this yeah. is a movie where it's about the dog. You don't really care about Hanks. Um, it's got right. a great, it's got a great cast, strong cast. Uh, Absolutely. Um, that you're just watching it going, wow, original Val Jordan only played a cop. <laughs> the 80s and 90s yeah. didn't he um but they're all great they're all on top form they all know what they're doing they all mm -hmm. know what this movie is it's a thing to put out um for the whole family to enjoy and also to have a very bizarre drug economic thing at the plot of it which is a very 80s thing i mean the 80s were yes. ultra uh ultra reagan and all that kind of thing so to have kind of this very business-minded over convoluted plot to it which it never discusses which is my big hang up on the movie i'm like okay if you're gonna do like a drug smuggling laundry operation money laundering operation at least start talking about it and they kind of divert everything they can around it until um craig t nelson does his monologue at the end oh by the way if you haven't seen turn and hooch it's like a 30 year old <laughs> movie so yeah. Um, yeah um thing to you but until craig t nelson kind of goes well this is what i'm doing and you're like Oh, this was all about laundering money. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, it's kind of weird how, yeah, it is very, very dark because it is about an old man who gets murdered, who witnessed something he shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, dog becomes only witness. And this is a very smart, super smart dog, as in he knows how to identify witnesses and all this kind of thing. And, and um, is very, very stronger than most probably dogs his size, even though he's a big boy. He's the um, strongest dog. I think. He's the strongest <laughs> dog. I mean, I mean, he can like bust through doors with his head. Oh, so easy. <laughs> so easy. What is plywood to him? Um, he's that kind of dog. And yes, yeah, so you've got all these fun and games, but at this heart, you sort of got this really dark kind of drug murder kind of plot going on, but they never want to talk about it. That was the weirdest thing I got from this watch because I've only seen it once before. I think it, when Disney, when I got Disney Plus, this was actually one of the first movies I watched because yeah. I was like, oh shit, Turner and Hooch. I love this yeah. movie as a kid. I'm watching going, this is a weird movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It feels like Rogers shot it like an R-rated movie and then they were just yeah. like, oh, we're going to have to cut all of this out. And like, because they slit a man's throat and this is a PG movie. Like, and, yeah. Even, what? I know 80s... It, I know 80s PG is very different to what PG is now, as you said at yeah, the top of the absolutely. show. It's, it's a, just yeah. a different beast. But even this, I think Touchstone was looking at this going, uh, yeah, the, no, this is too dark. This is about a man and his dog. This isn't yeah. about um, whatever darkness you've got going on over here. And yeah, Roger Spotterswood isn't exactly known for um, 
light comedies um, kind of thing. So um, I think it was kind and of... also... Sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's just a weird choice. <laughs> yes. Well, there's also two of the oldest people I've ever seen cast on screen. And one of them bakes muffins for Tom Hanks. And he's like, I'm leaving to somewhere, some other city to be a cop. And this poor woman's... I just feel like she's... 112 and she's never gonna see him again and i was really wound up in that where i was just like this he doesn't even give her a good goodbye or whatever and she's been baking goods for him forever and then the guy that owns the dog he's so old and they kill him in the first 15 minutes (laughs) i mean this is a man who needs you know is gonna drop dead any moment poor dog and then he just gets killed in the first 15 minutes and you're like oh dude but going back to that point, this is a small town where everyone knows one another. Everyone yeah. wants to be nice to Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks is being a constant asshole to everyone. Yes. Um, he is dismissing the old lady who made him the muffins. Um, he's vacuuming uh, Val Johnson when he's eating the muffin in the yes. car. Um, he When he's buying all the dog things. Which, by the way, when you get a dog, you need stuff. I mean, yes. they are intelligent yeah. creatures who, one, get bored very easily. Two, eat a lot, and three, are very messy. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, you have a person, fully formed personality in your house. And he is just like looking at small dog tins and then getting shitty at like, why do I need that? I mean, the guy's yeah. yes is like, oh, good, I'm going to upsell this asshole. You know, I'm going to give him everything. Um, and then he complains. Um, yeah, the cash wrap. At the cash, cash register of how much this costs. And I'm like going... $97 for all that? Wow, that is actually really cheap. <laughs> it's really cheap. I also love that he's got this huge 50-pound bag of dog food, but yes. when he carries it into the house, it's like the size of a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess he downsized on the food there. Okay. Yes, he does. Like, the dog doesn't eat, eat that much. Oh, wait. Yeah, you know, because he's, he's full because he's eating your apartment. Um, yeah. The only thing that we get almost as much that we get of a uh, of pooch just montages of hooch <laughs> is tom hanks in like bikini underwear yes! there's so much of this there's a whole sequence in the bath where i was just like we're behind his ass and it's just like so much of it and i was like i don't know who this is for i was that was struck me on this watch i have it multiple times in my notes going i forgot <laughs> how much tom hanks is in bikini briefs in so this so much so, so much. much. I mean, when you first meet him, he's in bikini briefs because this is whole yeah. sort of again. It's the late '80s and montages were almost synonymous in the same same thing. Yeah. So this isn't new, but um, you know, he's in his underwear cleaning the house. Um, and then yes, yeah, so because he that. likes things clean. He likes he's got a certain clean. way of being. Oh, this dog is going to be so chaotic. Yeah. Oh no! It's it's like the um. It's the uh, odd couple. Ab- oh, thank dog. you. It's an yeah. odd couple with dog. And so you see him in his thing cleaning and, you know, checking his nose here, which I still love that scene. I don't know. There's something about Tom Hanks' physical performance in this, which I, yeah. I do love. He's just yeah, I agree. doing this side to side, which is the funniest thing to me. It was funny to me when I was like uh, eight. It's yes. still funny to me now. He's a great um, physical comedian. He really is. And it never yeah. gets talked about because he was always so shouty, but he's actually a yeah. really great physical comedian. Um, yes. And that was my favorite part of this, this movie was just watching him flailing around or trying to be precise and failing yeah um and and then yeah and then when he's dealing with hooch 
He does not want to have clothes because, again, he's a very neat person, very OCD, who likes things in a certain place. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of shots of him bending over in his underwear. And you're just looking. I'm looking up Tom Hanks' ass ass crack right now. Um, If if his underwear wasn't here, you'd be seeing everything. Everything. They are very form-fitted. Yes, and yeah, and I don't think he and he is not an actor that would usually show a lot, even in his more no. um, you know physical performances like Philadelphia or Forrest Gump or some of those later ones. He's more known oh, for. Castaway. He's, he's, he's very not close. wearing much. This is yeah, this is true. <laughs> Castaway is the only other one where he's yes. like, well, yeah, he's letting it all hang hang loose, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, um, n- mostly naked. Um, Hanks is is definitely. Yes. The reason I think to watch this movie, just because you don't see it in that context, it's a very different context to Castaway. <laughs> I'm surprised it's on Disney though. That's the weirdest thing for me. It's like they don't they don't put a warning up, or they're just nope. like, here's a this is still PG, and I'm like, yep. oh, maybe we should update this uh, grade grading a little bit. I don't know. There's a dog drinking beer in it. Do we want children to see that? Oh, I love the fact that Hooch drinks beer and the fact that he like he's just had terrible owners. Um, I mean the nice yeah. the old man loves him, like loves him deeply, but the fact yes. that he keeps giving him beer and chocolate chip cookies, I'm like going, no, do not give your dog. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not a dog owner, but I'm pretty sure. Isn't chocolate poisonous yeah, to dogs? Yes, dogs and cats. Um, That's not good. No. And I know you can't give them beer, but I also know that the dog wouldn't drink beer in the movie, so they had to use chicken noodle soup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, my cat likes the smell of it, and then he'll often drink the beer bottle and go, oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. nice. The, the smelling of yeast and the taste of yeast are two different things, yeah. um, which is I'm kind of glad because I'm like, oh, my God, I do not need a cat that likes likes beer. <laughs> Just a drunk cat. Wandering drunk around cat, just wandering around all the time. <laughs> I mean, I made the mistake of giving him sh- very sugared cream by accident because um he was I had but I was just eating this cake thing and my cat was up going oh yeah. I smell cream and he ended up getting a little bit I forgot how much sugar was in the cream. The cat was up all night zipping around the house like I didn't get any sleep and the next morning he just passed out on the bed hungover. Nice. I'm like I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Yeah, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Um, that he was high. Um, so yeah, and getting back, I guess back to Turner and Hooch. Yeah, it's a really strange movie with all these kind of disconnects that don't make sense. Because in one hand, you're just watching a dog hang out, have fun, tear up apartments, make adorable facial expressions to people. Um, I do love his facial expressions. Like you can imprint easily on what's going through his mind, even though it was probably, I'm just looking at my trainer over here. Hi, hi person. Um, a lot, but you can kind of easily imprint his think thoughts and feelings very easily in this movie, um, which I do enjoy. Yeah. I, my favorite shot is the slow-mo initial run at Tom Hanks, yes. where all of his like skin on his face is flapping around. His eyes are all wide and crazy. Yeah. Um, but Overall, I felt the way about Hooch as the way I felt about Nicolas Cage in the movie Pig. Has that opened over there yet? No, I'm dying to see it, but it hasn't yet. Well, he doesn't wash his face, I think, for the duration of the movie. And that's <laughs> what I really wanted for Hooch is I just kept thinking, Tom, wash the dog. The dog is so dirty. It's got to smell terrible. He never addresses the smell, just like The Walking Dead doesn't. But I just think like... He, You'd have to wash the oil off this poor animal. I know. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, you do feel sorry for sort of, Hooch has always been well-loved, but he hasn't been well taken care of. Right. Um, And which I think is, I do find a lot of animal movies hard to watch because animal movies need conflict. And usually that means um, 
uh, animal violence sometimes. I mean, I still have a hard tr- uh, enough time watching Disney's The Fox and the Hound. Um, yeah. Cause some of the stuff that's that happens- It's a heartbreaker. Hap- it's a heartbreaker. And some of the stuff that happens in it, I'm just like, oh no, animals in danger, even though they're animated. I'm still, I still get very, oh no, poor dog, poor fox. Well, don't um, read about Milo and Otis then. No, I have, <laughs> yeah. I have touched on it, but I know. Yeah. Um, and even when you can tell that they're not being hurt on screen, just the very action of the hint of it always just upsets me. And so even yeah. watching Hooch, who can tell is loved, and every moment, even when Tom Hanks is playing with them, because I know he wanted to bond with all three dogs that they were using. And right. so, because he, he wanted to get, so you can tell that they actually like, that the dog trusts everyone and likes everyone and just wants someone to scratch him behind the ears and and all that kind of thing. Um, but yet, with the beginning of it, when he's covered in oil, covered yeah. in blood covered in muck i just go can we wash him can we just feed yeah. him the things he's meant to be fed can we please just take care of this dog even though that was just in the fictional universe of turner and hooch yeah sure yeah i exact i mean i guess it was probably their intent but it was far too long that the dog was so filthy and, i know it's just uh, when he got into bed which i'm like yes i would have totally allowed the dog to get into bed but at the same time i'm like the dog is so gross it would smell so bad yes yeah, so <laughs> so bad i'd and wake being, up long before that <laughs> yeah yeah if it was made now i think you know this movie would have seth rogan in it and it would mostly just be like a farting dog most of the time oh yeah uh, you know, it'd be a totally, totally different which, film. Which I think they do in the TV show, as we mentioned. Like, I watched uh, yeah. the first episode, and I swear they already do a fart joke, like, in it. And yeah. I think they do. I Maybe I imagined it. But it is just very clean. The dog is clean. The dog, you can tell yeah. the dog is well taken care of. There is no kind of rough edges around right. Hooch the second. Um, and well, and Josh Peck is a, is a great, um, like, new version of tom hanks because on his nickelodeon shows like drake and josh and stuff he was like the tightly wound one that would eventually yell you know yes that's very tom hanks it is very tom hanks um and yeah you can tell that he's kind of the tightly wound and is gonna yell um i just yeah that i'm sort of complaining about how dirty um terry hooch is but when i do get the clean version of it i'm like oh okay now it's a bit too clean that's a bit too yeah yeah so too sterile yeah too sterile so i think i'd always go back to the original just because i my favorite moment in this movie is when they're on the stakeout and they're just sitting in the car mm-hmm. um and hank is just hanks is just talking to him and you know he's just sitting there drooling and just kind of hanging out and making little noises yeah, yeah. um which is adorable and um and yeah it's just kind of one of those cool moments when you just see Hank's just finally kind of relaxing and kind of hanging out. And I love the fact that it's when he's on the job because you can tell that's when he's at his most relaxed. When things get more dangerous, the more relaxed he gets, which I think is quite a nice touch, actually. Yeah, I I totally agree. That's a great point. And I think I have always felt like Tom Hanks would be a good hangout. Like, you know, if it wasn't like a a gala or something, but you were just like hanging out low key, he seems like a person that would, aside from talking to you about typewriters, would maybe, you know, ask you some questions about yourself and find your normal life interesting. You know, it seems like he'd be a good hang. Yeah, it seemed like he would be a good hang because of those reasons, though. I think you would get a lot of typewriter talking there. Typewriter talking Mostly typewriter. Let me tell you about these typewriters. Oh, okay, we're gonna go into there. Yeah, I'd be like, that's fine. I'm gonna ask you about Turner and Hooch then, and why you advocated for the dog to die, which he did. He's <laughs> he the did. reason the dog dies. 
I feels don't bad like... about it. But yeah, you know. I don't like the fact. I think yeah, maybe he was just trying to give it more emotional stakes. But at the same time, I'm like, the dog doesn't have to die. No, it, no. he's fine. He could. He could still, the ending wouldn't change. He'd still end up with Mare winning him. They'd still have multiple puppies. They would still do all this kind of thing. Um, and But you could just have Hooch being Hooch. You didn't have to sort of, he didn't have to die for the movie to be what it was. Um, so no, it kind of feels dog, weird in that way. Yeah, if the dog lives, you got Turner and Hoochies. You've got a sequel hot on yes! the heels of Turner and Hooch. Like, exactly. Let's go Beethoven with this. Let's make six of these, you know? Is there six Beethovens? Oh, my God. Uh, there's there's, uh, there's five. I, I know there's a lot. I don't quite remember. I get confused with the other things like um, like Space Buddies. What are those? Airbud that, uh, that had so many sequels. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of weird when you realize that, because um, I never realized Scorpion King had sequels. And then I'm like, there's oh. five of these things or four? <laughs> so Since when? <laughs> I know. Who has seen these things? <laughs> I know. It's just, they're not made, they're literally for, made for video. And I'm just like going, who is watching these that they made four of them? And then you see the cast on them, like going, how? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, growing up in a video store, we get like uh, promo tapes. And some of them would be like sequels like that, like Witchcraft 7 or so, whatever it is. Yeah. And you're just like, there's another one of these? Like, I think one just came out last month. And then you look on it, it's like totally different cast. And you're like, yeah. I, I guess I'll watch this. But then <laughs> like no one ever came to request it. Nobody was like, hey, I'm looking in the new release section. And I can't I see the new Witchboard 7. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see that one. You're like, well, all right. No, it's, yeah. I mean, they could have done a sequel. I mean, the 80s was a great time for the buddy cop as well as the dog buddy cop movie. Right. Um, I mean, I knew of canine with, uh, James, is it James or Jim Spelushi? Uh, James. James Belushi. Yeah. And, um, then you sent me a photo of one with Chuck Norris and I was yeah. just like, of course there was, I didn't get a chance to track it down to even have a look, even a look at it, but just the picture oh. was just enough for me to go. Yeah. Yeah. It is that poster. It is. Um, <laughs> it's, if you don't want to see that, that the, don't watch that movie because that's what it is. It's it's interesting. I I for not being like a a massive dog person, I've seen a lot of those things. I do enjoy them very much. Um, I don't know which one's the best. So listeners, if you've seen Canine and what was it, the Chuck Norris one, Top Dog, Top and, Dog, yeah, I think and so. Turner and Hooch. Uh, <laughs> Rank those and send it to Schlock and R, please, on Twitter. Yes, please do that because um, I've only ever seen Turner and Hooch. I have never seen K9 and I've never oh, seen. Oh, what? I know. Um, I, for some... I saw it in the theaters three months before <laughs> this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it! It was like a Dante's Peak um, volcano situation. Quick, yes, yeah. we have to we have to release our dog movie because this other Touchstone's releasing their dog cop cop movie. Yep, <laughs> they're very similar too. That would not surprise me. It's an Alsatian in canine or Oh, I'm so bad at dog breeds. Um no, I'm I'm that kind of person that who has a cat and now can never have a dog. Well, not yet. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm, from not being a dog kid, I'm now like going, "Oh no, I can have a dog." Um it's yeah, I, um I, so I, I obsess grew... over dog breeds. Yeah. I grew up with cats, so I was a cat person, I think uh from from birth i didn't have a choice it was just in the environment and that's what i i grew up with no i um i also grew up with cats um and my friends had dogs and i was always a bit wary of them just because all my friends had big big dogs yeah um and then now i'm older i've had 
I've gotten to know my friend's dogs and I'm like, oh, I actually kind of like my friend's Alsatian. She's just a big, soft, poochy, poochy puppy. Yeah. Um, except for the one that I go when I go for a, a run or slash walk. Um, whatever on the mood I'm in. And there's one old Alsatian who does not like people walking past his property. Mm-hmm. He's very loud and very scary, but he's very old. He's got cataracts now. So um, I've softened. And yes, canine is an Alsatian. <laughs> okay. Alsatian. There we go. He's an Alsatian. Um, again, very good, do- very smart dogs, very loving dogs, when they, um, but they are very um, territorial. Um, yeah. So anything else about Turner and Hooch that you um, want to say before we move on to the main event? <laughs> Uh, the dog throat interrogation at the end is, is a lot, uh, where it's just <laughs> choking a man out while Tom yes. Hanks is, I mean, it's pretty Putting brutal. a gun at him as well. I mean, there's a double, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, I was like, wow, this is a lot on screen. Um, there's a part where Tom Hanks's house has been destroyed by the dog, and we see that he owns a cup of pencil erasers, and there's like a hundred pencil erasers, and this is the type of detail where for like five minutes while the movie's playing, I'm like, why would someone need a hundred pencil erasers? I mean, even if you had a classroom in an elementary school, you wouldn't need that many <laughs> pencil erasers. And then I was like, oh, I'm not watching the movie. Okay, I need to get back in the game here. Uh, so there's... There's some interesting choices there, and uh, and that's it. I just the last thing I said was just that it was crazy that that Hanks was part of, and I think maybe that was the thing is maybe maybe Hanks was telling Winkler like the dog has to die at the end, mm. and Winkler was like uh, a Hen- Henry Winkler movie doesn't have a dead dog at the end, buddy. No, no it doesn't. You know? No, that's not the not the film we're making. And then Roger was like, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll kill the dog. <laughs> yeah. Let's shoot everyone. You want to slit someone's throat? Let's do that too. Let's have a dog like interrogate someone with like, yeah, jamming on their throat. And like every time he doesn't answer that you can see the dog just like go squeeze his throat a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. That's his his go-to move. And Hooch is just to go for the throat. And um, the old man... Yeah. I was just going to say when the old man says he didn't even break the skin, that means he likes you even though he's been chomping on Hanks' throat a little bit. It's um, it's quite intense. Yeah. (laughs) When that first happens to Tom Hanks in the film, I forgot that happened, of course. And I was like, wow, this is intense. And then later on, uh, there's a scene in, where he's walked, Tom's walking in a hallway and you look behind his ear and there is a, a wound like from where the dog broke the skin. And either it's a special effect and they put that on there. But I think the dog really broke the skin on his neck in that shot. Oh, my uh, God. He, yeah. He's yeah. like walking in a building, I think, to go up some stairs. And he turns to shut the door, I think. And you can see like on his neck. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I think Hooch broke skin. But yeah. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, because um, original Val Johnson is just laughing his ass off at that. I'm like going, yes. it's that's a weird thing. Because if I saw someone with a neck hold of a dog, yeah. I would be kind of concerned because Hooch is a French bull mastiff. I looked it up. Uh, there's a very fancy name for this for this dog, but they are strong, big dogs. Yes. I mean, they are hounds essentially, and mm-hmm. yeah, you do not want that dog on your throat. That is, mm-hmm. yeah, that is, ugh. and then that is kind of the main <laughs> joke of just who just like going, yeah, just gonna hold someone by their throat for a while. <laughs> it's like yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, this dog's literally going for your throat, and it's just like, okay, isn't this fun? Yes. Bring the whole family. Bring the whole family. Um, but at the same time, as soon as Greg T. Nelson shoots. No, no, is it no? Is it him? I can't remember if it's him or some other guy that actually shoots him. Right. You're heartbroken because you're like, why did you shoot the dog for? Just no. Um, even though this is a super dog who can take out most people in a room, it's um, 
I still have nostalgia for this movie purely because it is something I just watched over and over as a kid. So when I kind of rewatched it, even though I was seeing all these kind of things that didn't work about it, I was kind of like going, oh, but I remember me as a kid sitting there loving it, throat biting and all. Um, Yeah, I was kind of swept up in in the tone of the movie, so I didn't quite notice. Hang on, this is about drug money laundering economics and a dog that will always go for the throat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wee. Wee, it's fun yeah. times. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> laugh riot. Absolute laugh riot. And with that, we are going to be going into the main event um, and a movie that I have a lot of questions. Well, I don't know if I have questions. I have ponderings. Um it's an amazing movie, um, but we're going to be going into full eclipse. Yes. Now, we're going to be getting into the trailers. Um, what on earth do you show for 1993's full eclipse? Okay, so there was a lot of options, and I sent you a couple, and I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. But I think what I really would like at this point in, in, in the evening mm. is to go into Monster Dog from 1984, starring Alice Cooper. <laughs> And now, things are really getting hairy. Yeah, so this uh, film, the synopsis is a rock star returns to his childhood home to shoot a music video while a pack of wild dogs are on the loose, killing off the local residents. The uh, thing that makes this really, really interesting is it's directed by Claudio Fragasso, who wrote Trolls 2, Shocking Dark, and Zombie 3, and directed Rats, Night of Terror, Scalp, Zombie 3, and Strike Commander 2. It's, I was uh, wondering why I knew that name. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's, it's really something. And and. The thing about his work, I think, is when they're broken down into trailers, like a little three-minute chunk or two-minute chunk, it's really, uh, it's a real gem of, of visuals. So, yeah. Um, no, I have to see this movie now. I did not even know this existed. Like, you always bring me one of these trailers, and I always love it. Um, like, this is like- a cover that we had in the video store, and it's got Alice Cooper's face, and then it's, like, slowly morphing into that of a monster dog. Uh and when I saw it as a kid, I was like, what is this feels so weird, but it's because I didn't know anything about Italian cinema. So once you realize like where this was shot, how it was shot, it's like, oh wow, what who doesn't want to see Alice Cooper in an Italian horror film? Like I absolutely would love to see him in an Italian horror movie. Um, because I love it every single time he pops up on screen, something like Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Um, which I think he's terrifying in, even though he always terrified me as a kid, but now I know that he's much more goofier than that. But yeah, no, I'm going to be tracking down this movie. This looks absolutely amazing. Uh, my first trailer, actually, you know what? I'm going to go for my non-dog first and go for my dog sure. one, like I did the last one. Um, but I'm going for another Anthony Hickox joint. Um, I'm going for Hellraiser Ooh. 3. The terror returns in mankind's final confrontation with evil.
club. I really love it here. It's a great club. Jesus Christ. Not quite. Yes. Okay. Um, because as we'll get into, Full Eclipse has a very specific tone. Yep. Um, and I feel when no one is looking at Hickox, he tends to make these movies, um, which of course is Hell on Earth. Um, which is, I love, by the way. Um, going for someone who wasn't a biggest Hellraiser fan, now it, I am probably going to end up watching as, I'm going to go, <laughs> oh, I'm no. going to, oh, I'm going no. to descend into movies I shouldn't have, be descending into, and then I will regret my decision. Um, because I haven't seen past five. <laughs> I'm like, do I want to see these later movies? Oh my gosh, five through ten? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's going to be just in a room with Pinhead sitting in the corner going, hey, how's it going? That's Um, pretty much what happens later (laughs) on. Yeah, um, so, but Hell on Earth is a visual feast of a a movie. Um, Even if Pinhead, I mean, Pinhead, when he is sitting in the corner, is in a statue. And it is such a cool effect um it is literally um cinebites that are really creative i mean yes i know the cd one is gets mentioned the most but you also have handycam one um this is a world this is literally hell on earth and it is trying to paint hell on earth and it has one of the the massacre scene in this movie is so visceral and kind of goes into almost um society not not quite society because i don't think any can think can touch society But it's just got this visceralness that I wasn't expecting, even in a Hellraiser movie, where I'm like going, holy shit, he was allowed to have a... He was allowed to do that? And, um, yeah, so that is going to be my trailer. <laughs> my first trailer, Hell on Earth. I love that. I love that. Um, in my dad's video store, we had Hellraiser 1. We had Hellraiser 2. I saw Hellraiser 2. For me, that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I think it's so crazy how big it goes. The introduction of Leviathan and the yes, Doctor. Yeah. Uh, the mattress. I mean, that was a scene I showed c- countless parties I had at my house where she crawls out of the mattress. People just like weren't ready for this. And um, so I loved it so much. So I st- <laughs> just going to see a pattern. I saw Hellraiser 3 in the theater opening <laughs> Friday. And I did not like this movie. I didn't like where it went. And it wasn't until, and you know, like we're saying, I think that if anything we can get is that sometimes we'll see films in our lives and we're just not in the right place for them. Mm. And in, in my case, I'm talking a lot about baggage, but, uh, but it can be preconceived notions. It's just, I just didn't appreciate this new direction, this other flavor that was being thrown into the mix. And in recent watches i absolutely love hellraiser 3 i think it's very fun i think uh, cd guy totally put me off with the whole thing because i thought it was hokey and now when i watch it i think the campy fun aspects that they're doing with the the camera guy and the cd guy it's very of the time in the 90s but i really appreciate it and i really like it but yeah hellraiser 3 is is something i actually also saw four in the theaters and i think possibly five is the one that didn't show that's that's where they went directly to video yeah but four is the one I think with Adam Scott where it's like Victorian or something. It's I think that's and I was watching that in the theaters, being like, I gotta look at my life choices. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing here? <laughs> I yeah, uh, I thought that because I thought, oh, it's when Pinhead goes to space, and then I didn't expect we would be going through all these kind of like time periods. And I was like, going, yeah. what? Adam Scott's in this? Um, and why are we in Victorian times? But no, I can't. What I like about the Hellraiser series is the fact that. Yes the more you get into it, you realize kind of time is more fluid then. But I can see why if Hellraiser 2 is your favorite, 
and you've it's kind of finishing this epic story that be, that began in the first one to go to three and you're like who the hell are these people um <laughs> yeah it's the first why, time they do that yeah it's the first time they do that and you're in a completely different world completely different and pinhead's being used a little bit differently he's more the kind of the show in it um than the first two so i can actually understand that reaction a lot but what i tend to love about it is that it just goes off into these freaking yeah. batshit crazy directions yes because you can because now time is meaningless in a in a hellraiser yeah. movie um pinhead was always one of those the cover for the first one scared the living bollocks out of me every single yeah. time i was in a video store i would because you had to go to get to the counter you had to go past the horror section nice which was, yeah really bizarre place to put it but perfect place to put it at the same time and i would see um the pinhead one and i would back against um i would sort of back against the other side because i was like i don't want that thing near me that is a horrific yeah. image um and i didn't actually see it again it was for another all-nighter at the esther um a horror marathon and it was a surprise showing and i went holy shit i'm gonna have to i'm gonna sit through hellraiser am i ready for this and of course i was because it's a genius movie and it's amazing yeah, yeah. With so much imagination um but yeah it actually it took an unplanned thing for me even me to see this and now i'm even thinking maybe i should go past five um only because i'm on a hellraiser kick um yeah. and i do feel that this might be bad <laughs> i might be questioning all my life choices up to this point yeah i mean i say <laughs> i say go for it. it each one from three on i think makes bold choices and goes in different directions and mm. even if you'll hit like one that you're like yeah this isn't great which you will yeah. but um but you can still, except for the one that's a total cash grab so that they kept the rights to the franchise. Is that the um, one when he's sitting in a room just going, hey, how's it going? <laughs> pretty much it, yeah. Um, but other than that, it, it's like, as long as Doug Bradley's attached, it's really interesting, I think, in my opinion. Um, I look forward to them. Um, yeah. Now, what is going to be your second trailer for Full Eclipse? Okay, all right. So now we're going from dogs to, to full-on dog people. I'm gonna go with Werewolves on Wheels from 1971. The one who speaks for them, let them eat their bread and drink their wine and in the night benign sleep. Don't miss the most unusual and exciting horror motorcycle film yet made. I come to offer you youth and fresh Blood. Hey, we all know how we're going to die, baby. We're going to crash and burn. <laughs> Werewolves on Wheels, starring Steve Oliver and Severn Darden. The story of a motorcycle gang who ride into a new kind of hell. Nice. It's a, yeah, it's a biker film, and the trailer transitions us into werewolves for the evening. I think it's a very, very fun trailer, and and sets us up perfectly for full eclipse oh that absolutely would i managed to see this watch this trailer at least um but this looks really fun it looks like yeah. a great midnight special um so i think this is going to be the perfect perfect trailer and a movie i need now need to track down and see if i can watch because um yeah werewolf bike is just perfect <laughs> yes yeah someone saw easy rider and was like hold on a second <laughs> this needs werewolves <laughs> yes <laughs> um my second trailer i'm gonna keep with the monster dog theme but not necessarily um uh werewolves but it's definitely going into that midnight special theme um i'm going for dracula's dog or zoltan the dog of dracula from 1970 zoltan! what drake doesn't know is that there are skeletons in his family closet and the bones are about to start rattling with a vengeance you see 
His name isn't really Drake in the old country. It's pronounced Dracula. I'll tell you one thing, if what you say is true, you want to make a lot of money. No? Yeah, I'm going to sue all those people who've been making Dracula pictures without my permission. A very funny joke, Mr. Drake. But that is exactly the point. You are the only direct descendant. Don't forget, he wants your blood. Um, Zoltan is a good boy. He will find his master even if his master is now reincarnated into someone else. It's a there's actually there's a charm to this movie. You can t- I mean it was made by um, Charles Band's dad Albert I think is this was yeah. his father and it is just this very sort of simple movie of a dog who wants to look for his master after he's been resurrected. Like I love the whole conceit that if you just pull out a stake from a vampire yes. they come back to life and so this dog is, comes back to life. Uh, and is on the hunt with uh, his other, his first owner, but they're both familiars. They're both like the Renfield to, to Dracula. Um, they're both on the hunt for Dracula's um, ancestor, uh, who is Michael Tepecki or something. Um, anyway, I can't remember. He's popped up in a lot of things. Um, and yeah. this, the movie is a hoot. It is definitely a grindhouse special and um, lots of dog action and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love the conceit of pulling out the stake and the vampires back alive. I think a perfect bridge between this movie and what we're going to talk about would be Project Metal Beast, which is a movie about a a super engineered soldier who's also a werewolf and <laughs> he gets killed and then during their like autopsy or whatever, they undo the killing by removing the silver from his body oh! and then so he's back <laughs> to life again and it's a it's a real it's a real hoot project metal beast yeah um no, that sounds um amazing sorry every time you mention a movie i'm going on my phone and going what is this october's coming up people and yes. a werewolf movie project metal beast was not my wife's favorite last year but i really enjoyed it okay look and this has barry boswick kane hodder and kim delaney i mean yeah. what more could you want yeah right Exactly. No. And metal is, werewolves. And metal werewolves. I mean, come on. Um, but no, I, yeah, this, that sounds like, a, I love that conceit of, yeah, pulling this civil out of him. He's, he's back and then pulling the stake and all of a sudden you just see the blanket breathing. Yeah. I, I, I do love that. And getting into movies that have a whole bunch of conceits that my partner, because <laughs> my partner ended up watching this with me and he was. Oh, yes. He was so befuddled because he likes his monsters to have rules. Um, and this does not have any at all. Um, no. He he said and watched most of it with me, which I, to his credit, I give him a lot because this is not a dad movie at all. But we're going to be getting into Anthony Hickok's a full eclipse from 1993. And for a street-hardened cop like Max Dyer, it's become a war that can't be won. We know you've got some problems, Max. Just don't want you to quit. But now he's been assigned to a new elite squad. Okay, man, what's the deal? A secret police unit. Are we talking like some sort of pseudo Charlie Bronson vigilante? We call it justice. With a special method for cleaning the scum off the streets. Hey, hey, hey. They're powerful. <laughs> Deadly. Be part of the pack, Max. The answer is. No. You have to. No, I don't. And they only come out at night. So was this a video store special for you? Uh, 
Yes, this is one I saw, but I believe it was first made for either HBO or Showtime. It's considered a made-for-TV film, mm. um, so it was made for one of those movie channels. I, be I believe that's what I remember. Um, I love Anthony Hickox. Uh, his pastiche in this time in the '90s was—I'm just steeped in it. When you talk about like the Warlock movies with Julian Sands, I bought the box set to show my wife them. Yeah. I love—I think Warlock Two is probably my favorite. But we only got it through the first one before she was like, I don't understand why you're making me watch this. Um, but Sundown and Waxwork 1 and 2, oh, these are yeah. all films that like, they were so video store, they were essential to uh, my time there. And I just think he shoots these horror action-y kind of things really well. So I, I think he does. It was full of clips that made me realize, oh, I think I'm a Hickox fan as well, because yes. I do love Waxwork don't love the first warlock but i have not seen the other two um and is uh my part dan actually might be a secret hookups fan because he goes no no you need to see the second one yeah and um yeah. so i think i just need to get october's coming up so i think i just the second warlock is just absolutely gonna have to be in my future but he has this kind of cool style about him and then as we went yes. back and that's why i chose um hell on earth because he feels like he's making these movies that no one necessarily is paying attention to. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you've said that Phil Clips is considered a TV movie mm -hmm. makes so much sense because no one was watching him at all. Like he probably right. sort of said you can't pass these kind of thresholds in terms of violence and sex um, because it's still early 90s cable, so there's a thing. Um, but you can do whatever you want. And it feels like he did. And he's got this cool tone about him mm -hmm. um, that's very dreamy. Um and very kind of almost, I would say Hell on Earth is definitely more nightmare fuel. Um, but I think Full Eclipse has that a little bit as well. So no, I think he's a really interesting director. I mean, I love Waxwork. Um, yeah. I think it's such an inventive, fun, weird little movie um, that really kind of just digs into, the, that wants to dig into the weirdness. And Full Eclipse absolutely does this as well, which is why I sort of said this feels like the ultimate video store, that you'd pull this on the shelf and go, oh, Marion Van Peebles is in a werewolf movie? And then yes. you watch it. And it's not what you expect at all. This is not the werewolf cop movie that I think people think of when they think of those words. This is something else sure. entirely. I almost chose Wolf Cop as one of the trailers because that is a werewolf as a cop. Mm. Um, but it's 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 more tongue in cheek and it's more funny. Whereas yes. this is an action movie with werewolves, with Mario Van Peebles. Uh, and the cinematographer is Sandy Sissel, who did People Under the Stairs but also Master and Commander. And I think if you take those two <laughs> styles of movies and put them together, you might have full Eclipse. Oh, someone needs to put a Blu-ray out of this because I watched <laughs> this on YouTube and some oh, of it no. was, and it was very, very fuzzy. Um, I That's got, yeah, it looked like a really pretty movie. It just wasn't in the quality that I think it could have been. Um, but I have the DVD. You can find the DVD for sure. I'm I don't know if it's out on blue. If not, I couldn't find a blue. I've yeah, got it. Yeah. It's literally still coming to me, the, the DVD. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to watch it and just, but no, I'm putting that into the universe, please. Blu-ray of Full Eclipse, because I think it's a very special, um, weird movie. Be yeah, um, yeah, because I think it's a tone. I think this is very much an action movie, but I love the opening of this movie. Yeah, yep. it is again. It just throws you completely off kilter because yeah, I think when people think werewolf cop, they are going to go to wolf cop more than anything else. Yeah, um, because it's tongue in cheek, it's silly, it is literally a cop who's a werewolf, which this is as well. But you kind of meet uh, Mario Van Peebles and his partner, and they have a club hostage situation, but they sneak yes. into the vents. And everyone's cool, so he's got machine guns. <laughs> everyone's going John Woo on this. 
And yeah. it's just, you're just sitting there going, what the hell is happening? <laughs> It's the weirdest way to take control of a hostage situation is to <laughs> climb through these giant tubes suspended up in the tallest room possible. I mean, it's like, what was the game plan? Like, oh yeah, my gosh. Because one of them gets shot and you're like, well, of course they did. <laughs> That's yeah. as good as the only outcome of this is um, is someone getting shot and it does. Um, but it's, yeah, it's... This is one of the great movies where time kind of feels meaningless. It's not necessarily about the emotion of the thing or kind right. of the plot. It's about this mood. And I really gravitated toward that mood because I have become a big fan of Italian um, horror cinema, which does the exact same mm -hmm. thing. It's all about the mood. And this is so much about the mood. Um, and it's about these kind of glistering kind of shots of people looking peevish and and, and, yes. and werewolves in, in scuba gear. And... <laughs> It's um, it's a magical, magical movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's also a period in time where Bruce Payne is like a bad guy in movies, and yes! I'm not sure why, but like he in he is the warlock in Warlock Three, I think it's three. Yeah, uh, he's in Anthony Hickox, of course, is like, well, Bruce Payne. It's like, yeah, I get it. You love Bruce Payne, but like, I knew him from Solar Babies when I was a kid, uh, Howling Four. He's in Passenger Fifty Seven. Uh, his last name is Guru in here, like Lou Guru, which is French for like werewolf. Yes. Very on the nose. Um, yeah, he's great. He's this overly beautiful man that, I mean, this is a lot, this is a beautiful cast. Just everyone's yes. very, very beautiful in this. Um, it's kind of when you're watching uh, Angelina Jolie and um, the, bone uh, the Bone Collector, and you're like, you were too beautiful to be a police officer. What is what is happening? Um, right. And it's the same with these people. But no, Anthony Hickox actually has kind of like a cast of regulars, which I kind of love. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Bruce Payne, um, uh, Paula Marshall um, shows up yeah. in a few things. And it's this kind of, you can tell he's sort of got this little company that he does these, make the, makes these movies with. And yeah, I love um, Bruce Payne as the as Guru um because he's kind of this ethereal almost angelic kind of creature wandering yes. around um which again doesn't exactly fit what you think a werewolf is um no. but he's he's very angelic he's very glistening he's very angelic and he's kind of the scent. I mean, there's a scene where he's like on on the horizontal bars doing gymnastics yeah um because that's his daily workout and. I kind of love it. Like he's kind of, you've, you've believed that he's absolutely immortal. Like there's a otherworldly right. quality to him that he's a guy. Cause the whole thing is he's a cop that goes to different towns, cleans up the city, then moves on. He's like a super cop. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way he's doing it is he's werewolfing everything um, and creating his own packs wherever he goes. Um, but no, I kind of love, yeah. Bruce Payne was the kind of, what I really loved about this movie. I think he is kind of the heart and center of it more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, even the small roles in this film are so well cast. Like, uh, Mario Van Peebles' partner who gets shot doesn't die. He ends up in a coma. And when he goes to the hospital to visit, his wife, his partner's wife is Jennifer Rubin. And I was like, I love Jennifer Rubin. People will know her from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Bad Dreams, mm -hmm. and The Doors. Um, I remember her from a, just a ton of like erotic thrillers in the 90s. Um, there was one she did with Christina Lottie that I absolutely loved that uh, I did an episode on. But um, she's in two scenes. You barely yeah. even see her. And I'm like, she she's so beautiful, such a good actress. And uh, 
and just in a, in a tiny role in this. It's fascinating. No, it is. Um, cause I love Paula Marshall in it. She's only got, yeah. she's popped up in like literally every single television show, movies, just a whole, she's one of those, oh, that lady, um, kind of people, but she's really good in this. And again, not that many scenes. Um, also yeah. in Hell World, sorry, cause I just watched it again and, right. um, I chose it a trailer, so I've got it on the brain, but she's really good in Hell World. Mm -hmm. as this kind of manic pixie homeless girl um (laughs) and it's yeah the whole cast is actually real it feels slightly not slightly they all feel overqualified for what they're being asked to do because it's main the two main characters are literally mario van peebles and bruce payne Mm -hmm. and it's kind of them kind of circling each other just because obviously bruce payne's a werewolf and mario van peebles is kind of now being invited into this cop werewolf vigilante group um that pain is set up and they're kind of circling each other and it's such a stylized movie um yeah because even though if i love wax loved wax works it did it took this movie to make me go oh actually hickox has got a very distinctive style about him um yeah that even i maybe i didn't appreciate when i watched uh warlock um because that that movie's just a bit goofier um but at the same time this is a very goofy movie but he does have these really cool stylistic qualities to it that I, again, just wasn't expecting. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, for sure. There's also one thing that is totally blew my mind about this double feature because it came about, we're kind of laughing, like, okay, this is fun. We'll look at these two films. This will be a good time. And, um, and that is that there's a point where we meet an evil mastermind and it's Scott Paulin. And um, for anyone that doesn't know who he is, he's the guy who killed the old man and almost Tom Hanks in Turner and Hooch. <laughs> He's in he's, he's in, in both, both of these movies. <laughs> yes. It's so insane. He popped up because I watched these like back to back and was like, I said to myself, like, there's no way. And I went to IMTV and I was like, oh my gosh, this is in this has got to be the only podcast discussing uh Scott Pollen. Scott Pollen, yeah. I um saw that went, wait, is that him? Because I watched them a few days apart. Um yeah. and yeah, it's kind of kind of weird, like they are kind of made only a few years apart from each other, so I guess it's not that surprising that you've still got oh this cross pollination, but such two different movies, and you're like, wait, is that guy? <laughs> yeah, he was clearly typecast. People yes. were just like, you're a, you're a gross bad guy, and he's like, yes. all right, all right, fine, I am gross bad guy. <laughs> there is something weird about this too, is that there's a vaccine element to Full Eclipse that, like, watching it now, I was like, oh, this sits very strangely because they're like do I take the vaccine is like a line in the movie where I was just like, um, please take the vaccine. We'd all like life to get back to normal. Yes. I've been watching a few movies that have been about, um, that had that, do I take the vaccine kind of, or do I take the cure kind of thing? And yeah. I'm like going, yes, yes. You just yeah. take the vaccine. Yeah. Just take, just it. take it. Please. Don't, <laughs> you don't want to be a werewolf. Maybe that's how we get people to take it. Just be like... Speaking of werewolves, I did not see the whole how he turns people. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. That was a surprise. That was an amazing. I kind of fell in love with it a little bit more after I realized that. Because usually, because um, my partner was sort of watching it with me and he sort of sat down and he goes, bite or scratch. I went, I don't know how he's actually turning them. And he goes, well, ah. it has to be a bite or a scratch. I'm like, yeah, I'm guessing so. He might nick them because this doesn't feel like a, it's people are being attacked by creatures on the street kind of thing um they're just suddenly these super cops who can like jump and ride on car that scene with oh my so god so many roars 
just so many roars all the time. Just, you just hear roars in the background every single time. All the time. All the time. And someone jumps on a car, you just hear this roar. Um, <laughs> noise. It's, it's really great. Um, of course, then you see the fact that it's actually brain serum. <laughs> yes. It's a brain serum movie. This has never been a werewolf brain serum movie until full eclipse. And the world is a better place for it, to be honest. Yes. Um, the fact that he is um, taking fluid out of his brain and using it as to inject everyone else to turn them into eventual kind of werewolf mutants they're not quite werewolves but they're kind of something else um is an amazing thing and even if you've never not seen this movie and you hear werewolf brain serum it's still not a spoiler because it is such a strange <laughs> concept that i'm just like going, well this movie just has me now because um this is great <laughs> Yeah, they're essentially injecting werewolf is kind of what it is. Yeah, it's they so, are. Because so yeah, you see them when they're about to go and do their vigilante thing for the first time, this group that's gotten together, and they just like stick in their um, thighs, as you do see with this kind of thing, and he's like going, oh, I'm Mary Van Peebles. is like, I'm not into drugs. And they're like, oh, just wait. Um, and it's, yeah, and because of that, Hickerson's got this thing, okay, I've got this premise, and I use this one thing, then I can just go into a whole bunch of different weird places, like people just yes. shooting each other um, to prove that they are now immune to, say, bullets. <laughs> or um, you, when you see the partner again after his coma, he's oh, leaving yeah. cars, he's, like, throwing people. It's, like, insane. Like, I was like, what? How did we get hit? Like, the first kind of 30 minutes is quite disjointed because you don't exactly know where you are, why you are, or what is even happening. Because the yes. werewolf stuff doesn't come into quite later. And so you're just watching this insane movie from an outsider's perspective going, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The yeah. partner, when he comes back, that whole sequence, one of my favorites in the film, is like so bonkers. It's action shot shot very well for the time. And when the, <laughs> he, the partner just, he's on someone else's motorcycle yes. and just drives them straight into a wall just yes. to explode. I was like, I don't know what else happens in this movie, but I'm here for all of it forever. And <laughs> I'm a full yeah, eclipse guy. Yeah, and it just keeps getting crazier from that point. And there are so many conceits. I mean, these guys are like, going, okay, everyone knows that there are, say, four main rules to werewolves. How do we break it? How do we change it up? How do we yes. make it different? And, okay, you think it's going to be about the silver bullet, but it's not. And, ah. uh -huh. um, I won't tell you the conceit on that one, but I think my partner would just went, what? No. I think that's when he kind of had lost him a little bit because he was like, no, werewolves have rules, people. And this movie's like going, uh, no, no, there are no nah. rules. No, nope. you think you know the rules, but no, this is no rules. <laughs> yeah, I think we could say looking at um, Hickox's career around this time is he kind of makes these movies that exist in their own little world. Yes. And then he makes up, Hickox rules and yes. Hickox rules are going to be different from anybody else's rules. That's actually a really good way to put it because he has such an interesting career at this time. Cause I mean, this is late eighties, early nineties. That's when you have, um, waxwork full eclipse, yes. hell world. Yeah. Um, I think even warlock is made, um, yeah. within yep. this period of time. Mm -hmm. And they also Sun take sundowns. Another great one. I don't know if you've seen, Sundown. I need to see sundown. That's yeah. kind of one I need to really get a hold of. Um, and, it's a love to think what he does with of vampires, like Jesus Christ, I mean, if yes. there's a thing that has rules, then the gods is going to go, aha, <laughs> do you think, do you think yep. this is going to happen? No. Um, and he kind of makes these really enclosed the cool little movies. Um, like, I love the idea of when you're watching Waxwork, and it is literally about a wax museum 
that comes to life. And yes, we've seen kind of the wax um, serial killer movie. Like mm-hmm. um, I'm forgetting all of the uh, forgetting all the titles, but I generally oh, love House of Wax, House of Wax, all that kind of thing. Um, the Wax Museum, and you generally know mm-hmm. Doctor. I think even Doctor X has a bit of a wax kind of component to it as mm-hmm. well. Um, and you kind of know how the movies are going to go, and then you watch um, Waxwork, and it's going into the world of the, the wax figures and that world suddenly opens up and all of a sudden you get these cool little anthology um, sequences that are about these cool little monsters, um, but it completely enclosed within its own thing. And I think that's just what he's really good at. Um, there, I can't think of too many filmmakers that are actually like him and I kind of, and maybe it's because I've only been really deep in horror for the last, or at genre for the last maybe 10, just over 10 years now, um, that I'm like going, why do people talk about Anthony Hickox more? But um, I think he's a director that really should be talked about more because I think he's fascinating. I totally agree. And the thing about Waxwork that I think is so fascinating, and it's probably the Hickox rule, if we can apply the Hickox rule to this movie, <laughs> yes. is that when people step into the exhibits in the museum, they're transported into the story mm. as a character in the set piece. They're not just like, normally what we would see at this time would be like an 80s person, you know, an 80s kid dressed like that, and they're in the Victorian times, and people would be like, what is with these crazy clothes you're yes. wearing? But instead, yes. they become a character, and like the vampire comes over, and he's like, hey, what's up? Because he knows them. And they're just like, they have to like play along. And it's, it's very, very Hickox, I think, in that way. It's very, very Hickox. And um, yeah, it's, he's got a, he's got a, definitely got a style about him. He knows how to shoot action. He loves kind of big, he loves set pieces. Um, and I think those are all things that are strengths for genre, genre movies. And um, this movie has all of it. It really feels like no one was watching him make this movie. And then they, he delivered it. And everyone just went, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah. this is definitely different, um, but it really flows really, really well. And I love how, um, you kind of feel why the characters are doing what they're doing. And at the same time, it feels very dreamy. I love the fact that it kind of, like, I thought certain sequences were actually dream sequences, but they weren't. Yeah. They're, they're within the reality of the movie. Like when the partner comes back and he's, there's this massively insane action sequence. I went, oh, this is a dream sequence. This can't be, because you got like, wolf, you got like roars in the background and, and howling and all that kind of stuff as well. And I thought, oh, no, Mari Van Peebles is dreaming about something. Or this is what we're getting in the coma. This is like, um, you know, this is has to be a dream sequence. And no, this is actually the reality of the movie. And I kind of love that, that it took me a while to go, oh, wait, this is just the real- reality of the, of the, of the movie. This is the kind of world we're in. And then I started loving it more and more. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love with it even more. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I also think Anthony Hickox is a director who's like, I'm going to give you something at the end. Like, I'm not going to just have the movie kind of peter out and be like, no, that's it. Like the final like transformation sequence that you get, the battle between our hero and the villain. I mean, it's like, it's really fun, I think. And, you know, the part, there's like a shipping container. I don't want to spoil it for everyone because I want people to watch this film. But I, the whole time I watch it, I'm just like, yes, yes, he gets it. He's given us what we want. And I'm here for that. Yeah, he gives you what you want. And then he gives you something else. I think it's yes, really that's cool. True. Because he yeah. gives you, okay, this is what you think is going to happen in a werewolf movie. And then something else happens. And I think it's really cool that he's like playing with your, he's constantly playing with your expectations of what mm-hmm. you think a werewolf movie is going to be. Um, and I really love werewolf movies. I mean, I love late phases. Um, I still have a big, few big ones I haven't seen. Um, speaking of my partner. Wait, which again. ones? 
Um, I need to see Dog Soldiers and I need to see Silver Bullets. Nice. nice. Yeah, um, I'm. I haven't yeah. seen Silver Bullet since I was a kid, and I'm. I that's on my 31 and 31 this year, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think I'm gonna have to put in Dog Soldiers. Um, because yeah. a lot of people are like you haven't seen Dog Soldiers. I'm like, no, I know it's it's uh, Neil Marshall. Um, he's made The Descent, which I loved. Um, such a freaking creepy movie. Um, so I need to see uh Dog Soldiers. But yeah, I generally do like werewolf movies because I think. Even when the werewolf is considered um, bad, I think there's a lot you can do with it. I think there's mm -hmm. like uh, ginger snaps. Um, yeah, I love ginger snaps. When you're talking about puberty or you're talking about sort of mm -hmm. like the, um, say, a hippie community in um, The Howling that mm -hmm. is werewolves. I mean, there's so many kind of metaphors you can use for, for, the, for the werewolf. And what Anthony Hickox does is this movie is he takes all these metaphors and kind of makes them something else. It's more of a science, yeah. it feels like more of a science fiction movie than it does a werewolf movie. Um, yeah. But I love that because it is, the werewolf is such a versatile monster. It can mean anything you want it to mean. Um, and yet is, you know, kind of what a werewolf is and how it moves. And yeah, so I think definitely track down this movie. It is on YouTube. It's not the best quality, um, but so track down that DVD, um, yep. but I think it's still worth a watch because I think um, it is such an ethereal, dreamy, beautiful um, movie that you're just like looking at it going, what the hell is happening? And it's constantly surprising you. Even though I've mentioned quite a few things, you are still going to be like the, what, how, how, what? <laughs> yeah, I think because of how he and the cinematographer have like worked together to create this like dreamy action movie that even though we've described things, it's not like when you see it. Like when no. you see it, you're just like, oh, wow, this is this is what they said. But it's also so Anthony Hickox. It's so Anthony Hickox. It's kind of, um, yeah, because after watching it, I just wanted to watch more Anthony Hickox. Like, yeah, and, same. Yeah, I just wanted to watch more of those movies. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch Hell, Hell World again. And then I love freaking Hell World. And, you know, I'm probably going to watch, um, I think I've got the Waxwalk 2, uh, 2 hiding around oh, somewhere in the house. So I'm gonna funny. Have to, so going to have to watch that because I know that involves time travel um i think he's one of those directors that just blends genres in everywhere because you don't usually get dreamy action movies um which i think is a, is a really unusual combination but it just works so well because you can just yeah. do so many things in this movie just i mean yeah there's restrictions on budgets in this movie but man this movie goes for gold yes for sure <laughs> and there's one line that like really stuck out to me and um as I mentioned, my wife didn't like Project Metal Beast, but it's like because of some of the elements that you described, the, the action element, the science fiction element, she would much prefer a horror movie than yeah. anything in this world. Um, but this line also, she was like, oh, okay. And it was, uh, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, and this is your brain on me. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, do, man. Yeah, I do love it because the whole thing, it is not... It's kind of more not necessarily about addiction, but kind of these people going on steroids to be the best yes. that they can be. Like yeah. I love that my favorite scene is they're all Mario Van Peebles is on the drug. He's kind of in the in the pack, um, and they're walking back into um, yes. the police station after this insane kind of car thing. <laughs> and it's all very slow motion. It's all very cool. All the clothes are ripped. They're all kind of a bit bruised. Yeah. And um, Bruce Payne just kind of slaps the this um, wheel, steering wheel that he got from the car and just goes, yeah, give that to the chief. Um, yeah, and it's, it's such, so funny. It's so funny. Like, it, this movie kind of sounds like it's taking itself way too seriously. 
I don't think it is. I think Marion Van Peebles is taking this movie very seriously. But um, I don't think anything else in this movie is. I think this movie knows exactly the ridiculousness of it and is kind of leaning into it. But in this way that you're just like going, oh my God, I can't believe they just got away with that. Yeah. And I think uh, pre-Wolf, Mario Van Peebles cannot be in a gunfight without a pistol in each hand and jump shooting. He's always doing that. (laughs) He's always diving and shooting at this, which is like got to be the most inaccurate way to fire any weapon. It's like you leave the ground and then just start shooting. I mean, this is a man who has obviously just seen Hard Boiled somehow. (laughs) And is like, oh, so this is what you do. I'm going to jump and shoot with two guns. And that is it. There is no other way that I'm going to be doing this at all. It's so funny. It's it's really, really great. It's, yeah, it's such a fun movie. And it's kind of one of those ones that I th- probably a lot of people, especially in the States or when they were younger, because um, mm-hmm. I imagine this maybe being a cable special or a video special. Um, this is something that I did, never had come across or even heard about. So thank you for giving me this movie. It's been amazing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> certainly. I mean, that's the fun thing that happened in video stores is every one of them especially the mom and pop shops were curated differently. So there was films that I knew from growing up in one, but there was movies I never even saw unless I went to a different video store. And then I'd be like, oh, what's this? Like we didn't have Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And all I ever wanted to do was go to that video store that had Killer Clowns from Outer Space (laughs) and rent it. You know, eventually now I own it. But like, you know, that's, uh, we all have these like, Things we don't know exist. Not even blind spots, because I don't even know if you could say full eclipse is someone's blind spot. <laughs> like people just don't know it exists or they've seen it. But, yes, yeah, I, I, th- I think yeah. that it's true. You've either this is not a movie. Maybe hopefully now this is a movie that you're hearing about yes. and actually go yeah. seek out. But it's usually a movie that you've already seen or you've just yep. never heard of. Never and, heard. And I was like, "What is full? Marie Van Peebles a werewolf? What?" And then thinking I'm going to be seeing a werewolf cop movie, which is going which i already turned in my head the first five minutes i was like i have no idea what this movie is um i'm not sure if i'm even on board for this movie but i am ready for this movie and by the time each kind of new thing came up i'm like yep let's do this yes i'm in i'm in all right you've got brain serum i am in (laughs) (laughs) yes i agree um so yeah it's a movie that you can just leave it's hard movie to sink into especially when it's so opposite to what your expectations are even if you've not heard of this movie but it is so worth it it is just it's one of those little secret gems <laughs> yes yeah it's i highly recommend it it's it's part of the i want a Han- anthony hickox box set if we could make that happen yes! with all these films on blues that would be great that would be it whoever can do it uh, anthony hickox collection um, you know, Vampires at Sundown or whatever it is, um, you know, a, a waxwork, a, a full eclipse, um, a warlock. It just it, come on. He's, he's he's a fascinating, fascinating director who I think should get talked about more because only, his movies are only his. Yes, that's true. And and this movie has a full moon in it. And Turner and Hooch has Tom Hanks mooning the camera. In those Constantly, yes. <laughs> Constantly. It's a, it's a constant um, full moon in this movie. <laughs> I would have much preferred Mario Van Peebles in those underwear. Just me. Just, you know. Yeah, that that, that would I agree with. There's a, Tom Hanks has a weird body. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, he's a great physical actor and he knows how to use it. But it's a weird shaped yeah. body um, that I don't quite know how to describe, but seeing him in underpants f- for that long is not exactly a, 
oh hello it's mario van peebles an amazingly yeah. good-looking man in underwear it's like yeah tom hanks is a weird bird and i'm seeing a lot of his chest and a lot of his thighs <laughs> right now and i'm not entirely yes. sure how i feel about it <laughs> yeah so, can we get a different angle of this please <laughs> this is what i kept thinking like wow. it's like it's like christopher Plummer in um oh shit the bank movie with the santa claus um the silent partner oh yeah um there's a scene when he's just in like um very bikini briefs as well and again very ups- like i love plumber but very upsetting to see him in, in bikini <laughs> for some reason yeah. <laughs> it's not an act you want <laughs> i don't need it i really don't, I don't need I don't, it i don't need it in my life there are certain actors i am like yes show me this and there are other actors like tom hanks and, and christopher plumber where i'm like can i just have you fully clothed that would be yeah. great <laughs> more clothes please more clothes the hanks <laughs> Clove the Hanks, everybody. Clove the Hanks. <laughs> Let's make the stickers. Let's make, yes, make the stickers. Clove the Hanks. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this has been absolutely great as usual. You're always the best to talk to. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I, I, I can't believe we got to talk about Full Eclipse. And we also have talked about Turner Nooch. Yes. The double, <laughs> of course, the most natural pairings of pairings. Yes. We all knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. Um, so please, Dirk, please tell people where they can find your good work. Oh, sure. Uh, the VHS podcast is wherever podcasts are found. Just type in VHUS mm. podcast. Uh, we have a website, vh-us.com. Um, yeah, that's basically it uh yeah and also i just want to highlight just because i just listened to it um before i recorded um but your episode on i saw the devil on the solid six podcast oh yeah yeah um this will uh, there'll be a few this when this will coming up this will be like a few a few weeks behind sure. but definitely give that episode a uh a listen because um d- different ways of getting revenge that will all that's all i'll say oh <laughs> yeah no it's a solid six podcast is a. Uh... It's it's a podcast. Of, it's another double double feature, but it's three hosts, and they alternate who is going to pick the theme and what it's going to be. And it's just those three friends. They have a couple guests on. I was lucky to be one of them. And we did I Saw the Devil, um, which is from 2010, and it's a Korean revenge thriller that I is very it's very intense. So if oh, that's yeah. not your cup of tea, you know, don't watch that one. But um, but yeah, check out their podcast. It's really good. Also, I didn't really say what my podcast is. It's a, it's a film podcast where the guest has the profession portrayed in the film. So if it's uh, the movie Teen Witch, then I have someone that's a witch on. And if it's an exterminator, we talk about of unknown origin. Um, for Lindsay, we talked about uh, bookstores and uh, and books and Karen Black. So yes. was, uh, <laughs> it was a great episode. I, I recommend people start with that one for sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, it was a, a lot of fun to do. Um, and yeah, yeah, especially seeing that again, a movie I had not even heard of and to sort of watch this thing with Karen Black and Barbara Crampton being awesome. And I was like, how, what, how did this happen? Um, yeah. it, is, it was an incredible, incredible experience. Um, again, thank you for listening to a, another episode of Schluck and Awe. Um, we're on all apps. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Schluck and Awe one, also on Instagram, Schluck and Awe one. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm just at Reading Geek on Twitter. And that is a show for another week. Um, yeah, we will be back with another double feature next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Clove the Hanks. Yeah.